welcome everybody to another episode of the Broken Clock Podcast Gamescast. As always, my name is Adam, and I am guaranteed to be right at least twice a day, because that is the motto of the Broken Clock Podcast. Now, normally, you would have heard some other names in there. I would have then said welcome. We would have had a little banter back and forth. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, we did this already. Um, I, uh, I'm i recording this late on a Sunday night, uh, and I'm going to try to get through it a little bit, though I am quite frustrated at the moment, because unfortunately, um, I lost the podcast. I mean, I didn't lose it. Uh, I, we recorded it. It was about two hours. Joe was here. John was here. Uh, we talked about all the big news of the week. We talked about the Microsoft purchase of Bethesda, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, we had some banter about uh, fall and whether or not we like that it's getting a little bit colder. Uh, we talked about the potential Yakuza movie. We talked about the games we've been playing. Uh, there was some exciting news on the next gen front for, for Joe. Uh, and unfortunately we did that. It was about two hours. Like I said, uh, I was saved it. Everything was there. And then, uh, in the edit process, uh, there was a crash of the program and all of the files were deleted. So this is, I believe a first for the games cast. I think, uh, ultimately there were some original test games cast type episodes back in the day. Um, that are, I think we've referred to in previous times as the lost episodes of the Gamescast uh, before we were going weekly and before this kind of the show kind of transformed into what it is now. Uh, and unfortunately, that's just uh, happens sometimes with technology, you know, it, I, but I think this is a first for the actual continuous run. I believe maybe the main event had some issues or maybe you missed some episodes. Uh, but this is the first time you're hearing me do something solo. If you've never listened to uh, our old main event wrestling podcast, I did do a couple of those solo, uh, but that was just because we couldn't get everyone together and we still wanted to put up a show with predictions and thoughts on the matches before and after. Uh, oddly enough, I'm doing this after a WWE pay-per-view, um, so it feels kind of similar. I'm also unfortunately doing this after a Celtics loss where they were eliminated from the playoffs, so uh, I am a little bit... Uh, angry about that as well as the uh, the loss of this podcast so uh, I just wanted to come on uh, upload something just to explain why there was no big regular episode that you're used to uh, but I also did want to kind of convey some of the information that we talked about um, so uh, I, you know I all I really played this week I'm just going to kind of go through it uh, all I really played I finished uh, Mario 64 in my playthrough of Mario 3D All-Stars. It's just as fun as I remember. I did it pretty much from memory. There was a little bit where I had to like, you know, do some looking around in the levels. I maintained, uh, for the most part, my I'm not looking at walkthroughs. I'm doing this 100% go in one shot. Uh, ultimately, I think I beat it with like 105 stars. Did have to go back to look to see. I forgot that you get 100 uh 100 coin stars for each level so i had to go back and do those after i beat the main game uh and then i was missing one secret castle star uh, but i feel like it doesn't really count that i looked up that one because it was ultimately the bonus star that you get for uh beating the race in the castle down the slide in under like i think it's like a minute 20 seconds or something like that uh, so i just had to redo that race again and uh, was able to get that last secret star um, so i didn't really talk about much in the what we're playing section uh joe talked about something that was kind of uh, an oddity for him that he was looking forward to playing that unfortunately was just bad 
Uh, and that was Daymare, I think 1998 is the name of the game. Yeah, Daymare 1998. Uh, we had talked about this game a few months ago when it kind of got announced as, or like news started coming out about what it was. Uh, basically what this game is, is it started life as an independent Resident Evil 2 remake, I believe. Uh, Capcom obviously shut that down. It was an unauthorized port. I mean, these kinds of things pop up here and there. People looking to kind of make a game uh, and they do it to, and they remake a game that already existed uh, to kind of cut their teeth uh, in game development. Capcom ultimately was like, listen, you can't do this. Resident Evil 2 is ours. Uh, we know now they came out with their own Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, so that would obviously be why they shut it down in addition to just intellectual property, things like that. Um, so the team ultimately pivoted, you know, they decided to go make their own game. Uh, so something, you know, so Joe being a big Resident Evil fan wanted to play this game uh, as it kind of had that DNA of a Resident Evil, even though it wasn't actually connected to the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, ultimately, though, uh, it's not a good product. Uh, you know, we kind of we talked about how. You know, it's not even one of those like deadly premonition style games where like it's bad, but it's funny or like it's bad, but you like it because it's bad or, you know, it's not like the room, uh, the Tommy Wiseau movie that like it's so bad, but people love it. It's 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 not that it's just it's just bad. Uh, I think in the end, he said he played maybe a half hour of it. So not very much and just like couldn't get through it. Uh, and it just kind of went back up on his Resident Evil shelf as a as a nod to how the game started development. Uh, we did talk about some of the positives that were in this game, uh, where it's got kind of a, a differentiating uh, inventory system with regards to ammunition, where when you go to reload, you drop your magazine. And if you have to then manually pick that magazine up, uh, if you want to, like, I think it's hold the reload button, you can do a full, like, transition reload, I believe. Uh, again, these were all kind of details that we talked about, on the, and I'm trying to recall them now, having not really been able to to listen to it again since the, the loss happened at the start of the editing process, I guess, thankfully, and not in the middle <laughs> or the end of it. Um, so we kind of talked about that and how maybe taking it a step further probably would have done a lot of justice for it and made for a really cool mechanic in that, like, you know, if you're going to go through and do this reload system, I think the way to do it is like you have to manually reload the magazines and it, it doesn't take it far enough in that you have to kind of like go into the menu to reload the magazines that you keep on your person. But it basically just makes it so that way you're doing this extra roundabout reload way and it doesn't do it in a fun way it just does it in like a a tedious way but that was something that he pointed out as being like oh that's kind of cool that's a different way to do shooters or you know do shooting in games uh, we talked about possibly what that could look like in a battlefield or a call of duty because that i think is something um that john and joe had mentioned being in a previous battlefield maybe like the original uh pc battlefields so i was gonna say battlefield one but not the new battlefield one the original actual uh battlefield one because uh, that could be something cool in like a realism call of duty mode where you know you've got to actually like reload your clip you've got to you know um you got to use the whole clip and not just like one or two bullets and then like and then constantly reload to kind of give it more of a realistic gun feel because you know chances are you're not in a firefight or something like that in war you're not you know shooting five six bullets 
10 bullets of your 50 round magazine and then being like, cool, got to be ready to pop off all 50 shots. The next time I see a guy around the corner, let me just reload real quick. Uh, and that could be something that maybe could make its way to other games uh, that started life as this kind of weird game remake new game thing um, that had some good ideas, but ultimately just, I guess, was unplayably bad, um, which is where Joe kind of uh, landed on that. So he's happy that he bought it. Uh, ultimately, it does live on his uh, Resident Evil shelf. So the Resident Evil display has this cool little... Uh, I guess, Easter egg of sorts of, oh, okay, look where that came from and kind of look how this is connected. Um, so just something cool that, that he was happy to have and happy to have purchased. Uh, him and John both played this, but uh, John's game that he talked about this week was Hades, uh, a new game that is available on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it comes from Supergiant Games. It is a roguelike. And by all accounts, both online and from John's gushing review of it and i'm kind of really sad that you guys don't get to hear it uh he loved this game um i mean in talking and i don't want to like get ahead of things here but like it i mean this was a this is a favorite game of john's so far i think um we're obviously several months out from doing any kind of game of the year discussion uh, but the way he talked about it um and the excitement that he had when talking about it and that's what really like kills me that he wasn't able to that like this doesn't exist for you guys to hear it um that like he just he loves the game uh he's i think halfway through based on number of bosses that he was able to beat and he had nothing but great things to say about it i don't think there was any negatives uh that he was able to like um like conjure up in the conversation uh the we talked about how like normally in roguelikes the you know when you die and you go back there's sometimes there's kind of baked in ways in which the character changes or the loadouts change or things like that. Um, this, the way it crafts it within the story is impeccably done. The story itself is amazing. Um, it is kind of hack and slashy. I mean, it is a roguelike, so that's kind of to be expected. But he said the combat feels tight. Uh, the weapon variations are good. The different variations on your character are really good. So you never feel like sometimes in roguelikes where you're playing a game and you die and you get a character or a loadout uh, where it's just like, this sucks. This isn't helpful. I'm not going to get very far. I'm just going to kill myself now and go in and, you know, just try to start the next run. Because this run is just, it's dead in the water. Nothing we could do here. This is just a bad setup. It didn't really seem like there was anything like that. Where like every single time was the right kind of challenging, the right kind of, you know, uh, interactivity with the different weapons and powers and uh, the game is set in uh, Greek mythology so uh, I believe you're the son of Hades you're trying to escape uh, trying to escape hell obviously get to Mount Olympus the gods are kind of helping you because they hate Hades and the underworld so they're giving you these powers and these different power sets uh, that you get uh, there's, you know, there's spears I think there's bow and arrows there's swords there's all kinds of different things uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, he had nothing but fantastic things to say about it. I'm trying to think of what else, you know, we really talked about in terms of the, you know, what were the great things about this game. Um, but I think in the end, he, he kind of conveyed it in such a way that, like, this is one of those games where you just want to do one more run. And those are, the, those are the best kinds of games, honestly, the ones that, like, 
that hook you in and make you want to go and just like, no, I can do better. No, just one more. Like, I swear I got this. And like that addictive nature that keeps you coming back for more uh, is, is always fantastic. It's a lot of fun, especially in these kinds of games. Cause I mean, you could run into a roguelike where you're just like, okay, I don't want to do that next one. Like I said, uh, and that it's, it makes it not fun or it makes it kind of tedious or it just kind of, it's hard, but in all the wrong ways uh, where this one, you know, there's a challenge to it, but it also uh, feels rewarding in trying to overcome that challenge. Uh, I think he said it wasn't nearly as hard as something like a dead cells. Uh, but uh, ultimately this was something that like, he, like I said, heaps and heaps of praise for uh, if he did, he couldn't recommend it highly enough. So I mean, I will do that for him here. Uh, if you have any interest whatsoever in super giant games, roguelikes, engaging stories, um, you know, anything like that, this is available. I think, uh, he played it on Switch. I don't know if it's PC or anything else. I think it's just Switch right now. Uh, but go ahead and pick that up. I think it's only 25 Uh He he honestly got it. Uh, he had a bunch of coins. I think he had some leftover like Nintendo gift cards. So he only got the game for like 6 bucks, I believe he said. And I mean, that was just, you know, that was just icing on the cake considering how much uh, he ended up loving the game. So uh, not enough great things or yeah, I think weird sentence. My mind's kind of scatterbrained because, like, like I said, I've never, never had to recap an episode before, and I and I hope to not have to ever do it again. But yeah, uh, not enough good things were said, or yeah, whatever. He loved it. He just he absolutely loved the game. Um, so I want to recommend that on his behalf. Uh, go out there, play it if you have any interest in any of those things. Uh, he'll probably talk about it a little bit more next week, so uh, he'll be able to kind of break down and give you a little bit more of the details on it. Um, so make sure to stay tuned next week because I'm sure he'll either have beaten the game or will be continuing to hammer away and playing that. I think he said this week alone he played like 15 hours of it. Uh, so, again, he was completely enthralled with it, played that through and through. Um, so that was kind of it for what we played. Uh, this is going to be more of a, an actual lightning round, not lightning round, <coughs> where uh, I'm just going to kind of fire off some of the topics that we discussed. Obviously, the big thing this week was Microsoft purchasing the company ZeniMax, which may not be familiar as a name, um, but what they own is what's important. Uh, we kind of were all taken aback when this came out last Monday uh, because... There was no rumors, no speculation, no hints, no nothing, not a peep from anybody connected in the gaming world, gaming journalism, anything, YouTubers, bloggers, whatever. Nobody had a clue. So it was kind of an out of left field bombshell to the point where I think Joe said when he saw it, he was like, that's not real. Like that's, there's just, there's no way. Like that's, that's incredible. Um, but uh, ZeniMax is the company that owns studios such as Bethesda, id arcane um the people who made evil within the people who made wolfenstein i can't remember them right now because like i said a little scatterbrained um but i mean those companies if you don't know the names of those developers and those publishers though that's fallout that's elder scrolls that's like i said wolfenstein that's doom that's evil within that's dishonored that's ghostwire tokyo that is death loop you know upcoming ps5 games and these now go under the umbrella of microsoft and it was 
kind of a power play. I mean, this got announced the day before Series X uh, pre-orders, Series S pre-orders went up online. Uh, and, I mean, like, what a move. It's It fundamentally could change the landscape of the next generation of games, mostly because Microsoft has complete control now over what happens to franchises like Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Doom, etc., and so we kind of talked about it a little bit back and forth about what we think this means. Do do these kinds of series go exclusive? Do they go timed exclusive? Do they go, you know, I mean, I ultimately I ended up thinking these are going to go games pass day and date, just like Halo would or Gears would or any of these other Xbox game studios. I think that's why you buy these kinds of developers with this kind of pedigree and these kinds of popular series. So that way you get them on Games Pass because as Microsoft has done, I mean, for the last couple of years, but really this year in the lead up to Series X and the changeover from this current generation to the next generation, they've been pushing Games Pass. And I mean, we've talked about it. I've used it. Uh, Skip has come on and uh, as you know, we've talked about it here. He's used it. It's, it's a game changer for the next generation. It is Microsoft's way of saying, play our games we've got games we've got the best deal in gaming and it's like it's not even a question that they have the best deal in gaming uh, that you can pay 15 bucks a month you can play over 150 games you can play them on your android smartphones you can play them on your tablets you can download them on your xbox you can play them on your pc it's the greatest deal in gaming and it just got better with something like this um i know that there was worry that these kinds of uh that these titles, that these big, like mega series, could go Microsoft exclusive, which honestly, the way Microsoft's been going, and this was kind of the group mentality. This also followed our Twitter poll, so thank you for thank you to those of you who voted in that. Um, that ultimately, we think this won't change the exclusivity of it. These will probably all still come out on PlayStation Five. Um, games will probably still get ported to Switch. But what this means is that Microsoft's going to get that money. Uh, and that I think those things will go to Games Pass first and foremost. So um, we did kind of talk about that. Uh, one kind of spinoff from this story, though, is that uh, this uh, did kind of entice Joe, um, maybe in some small way, maybe not the ultimate determining factor, uh, to go out and purchase uh, an Xbox Series X, which he was able to pre-order. Um, he said he did it kind of as a just to see if he could given the fiasco that was the PlayStation 5 launch where, you know, we talked about it last week. Sony said it'll go up, not during their event, but, you know, the next day and retailers jumped the gun and everyone was caught off guard and websites were crashing and, you know, people who wanted them ultimately could not get them. Now, not going to say that the Xbox One went smoothly, but, uh, I mean, Joe was able to go through and get one somewhat relatively easily uh, from his description of it. So hopefully he'll be back again next week as well. Maybe he can go over that a little bit. Probably won't rehash it too much since nobody likes to tell the same story over and over again necessarily. Although we all know a few people that do, I'm sure. Uh, but he was able to get one. Uh, so Joe is jumping in on the next generation of gaming after last week kind of being unsure and you know throughout the summer in our conversations with him obviously he was not on with us throughout the summer but in john and i's conversations off air um you know he was kind of timid about the next generation especially given um, the lack of push for next gen exclusives that kind of really did hinder his excitement for the next gen uh, and just kind of gaming in general so he was able to get one i believe he said through walmart 
his current you know ship date is not launch day which is fine it's i think it's playstation day so two days later after the xbox release um so he did seem excited about that he does think that it's possible that that may just be his games pass machine you know he'll get games like assassin's creed uh, and you know the multi-platform games like that he'll at least have that machine to be able to do that but for anything that would be considered next gen even though for you know most of microsoft's games and some of sony's games there really is no next gen game specifically on microsoft's ends like there are no series x games um so john had questioned him on that and he did it you know when he initially bought it and told us john was like why there are no games that are series x games like what are you doing and joe was like yeah but i'm excited you know there's the new generation time like anytime we get here and it's been seven years since we've had a, a new generation of consoles always gets exciting um so i think joe was able to buy into that um quite literally with his, his pre-order of the xbox series x uh, so we talked about that a little bit um like i said it didn't go smoothly uh which was you know kind of funny given that the microsoft dunked on sony a little bit being like Hey, we're going to let you know when we do it. Hey, we're going to tell you exactly what time. Don't worry. Your old friend Xbox coming in going to tell you when you can pre-order it. Uh, but of course, you know, retailers put their stuff up and websites crashed. There was demand for these. Uh, so people kind of had a, a harder time than an easy, normal, regular electronics purchase. Uh, but ultimately, I do think I was able to see more successful purchases and pre-orders from just from people I know for the Series X than I was for uh, the PlayStation 5. I don't, I'm not even sure if I know anybody else that was able to secure a PlayStation 5. And I myself was just lucky, right place, right time to be able to get mine. So, um, you know, I'm glad I wasn't part of the fiasco, uh, but it seems Joe wasn't either. He was able to go in, uh, make a purchase, no problem. We did confirm with him as well that he did purchase a Series X and not an Xbox One X, which this week did shoot up the Amazon sales charts on Tuesday, 400 and something percent, uh, meaning not meaning that it sold that many more, but just that its placement and how fast it rose was a 400% increase or, or what have you uh, from people who just saw Xbox and X and got excited and pulled the trigger and maybe it was a third party seller that raised the price to 500 or maybe it was some kind of bundle with a second controller. Uh, so hopefully all those people were able to cancel their orders and we'll be able to pre-order Xbox uh, Series X in the future if that is in fact what they were trying to get. So um, we kind of talked about all that stuff. Uh, there was also this week lightning round. Uh, Amazon announced they were launching a streaming service. It is called uh, Luna and it's going to be more of a cable-like atmosphere, but also kind of leaning into the Netflix of games, um, kind of like a Games Pass, but from a Stadia perspective, meaning uh, there will be a library of games that you will be able to stream for $5.99 a month. Uh, they are taking early access applications, so if you feel interested in this at all, you can go out and sign up for that. Um, there was uh, all kinds of games listed, things like Control, Sonic Mania, Resident Evil 7, Ukulele, uh, a bunch of different um, you know games from the last few years uh, over various publishers and developers. Uh, like I said, $5.99. There will be a connected controller you can buy. It's $50. Bucks. Uh, it does say it's going to have Twitch integration, though they didn't indicate whether or not that will be available at launch. So maybe look to that uh, if you're into the game streaming where you can just, 
you know, much in the same way that uh, Google had promised Stadia would be able to do YouTube integration where you could just watch somebody streaming on YouTube, press a button and launch right into that game. Uh, Amazon is kind of promising the same thing with Luna. When I say that there was a, a kind of a cable aspect to it, uh, Luna is promising channels, meaning uh, the Luna Plus channel, uh, which is the, you know, all of the library of games that they have available will be one. There'll also be other channels, quote unquote, that will be like the RPG channel, the sports channel, the action channel, which will kind of curate those games a little bit into specific, you know, uh, genres. But then there's also going to be premium channels, I guess, akin to like an HBO or a Cinemax or Showtime. Uh, the first of which they, and the only one they announced uh, was the Ubisoft channel, which will allow you to play for an undetermined price at this point, all new Ubisoft games, day and date of their release. These are things like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Watchdog Legion, assuming Luna is up and started and ready to go by the time those games come out. Uh, you know, your Watchdogs, your Assassin's Creed, your Just Dances, your what have you, any big, you know, Ubisoft uh, I think Riders Republic will probably be one. Any big Ubisoft title that you could possibly be interested in, uh, you'll be able to play those day and date. Uh, that will be a subscription price, though they did not indicate what that is. So um, we kind of ran down through that. That's kind of the overview basis of it. Um, you know, the discussion was kind of around what this means. I think John uh, signed up for early access. I did as well, mostly because like I'm always down to try a new streaming platform. Uh, I think... You know, getting a, a good value on games, a bargain to play games is always a good thing. I'm always looking for the next, you know, the easiest way to play games for the least amount of money. I think a lot of people are like that where, you know, gaming is only a portion of a larger entertainment budget or, you know, maybe it's the only part of your entertainment budget and you can't necessarily guarantee yourself the ability to spend 60, now maybe 70 games or dollars per game. Uh, so if you can get a library of games, even if they are a few years older, um, for less is always, I think, something that's cool. So definitely willing to try that out for you guys. John was as well, uh, because you can use your other like Bluetooth controllers, so your Xbox One controllers, your PS4 controllers, uh, to be able to stream those on, I believe it was uh, Kindle, PC, Mac, um, iOS, though that's through web apps. So you need to have iOS 14 uh, to be able to do that. Uh, and that will be coming a little bit later. I don't think there was an exact release date for it. Um, we talked about the confirmation of Lightning Round. Uh, Spider-Man Remastered being only available as part of the Miles Ultimate Edition. Uh, so if you wanted to just buy that game straight up through the PlayStation Store, it won't be available. If you get a copy of Miles on PS4, you can then pay an upgrade fee probably most likely the $20 to get the Ultimate Edition on PS5. I think you'll get a free upgrade from PS4 to PS5 of Miles, but if you want to upgrade to the Ultimate Edition, you'll be able to do that for a fee to get that Spider-Man remastered. Um, they also confirmed that saves for current versions of Spider-Man will not uh, transfer over automatically, so if you're sitting on a half-completed game of uh, Marvel Spider-Man on your PS4, don't expect to just pick up where you left off. It's understandable it's a two-year-old game uh, but i think there was some confusion into how that would be available which will play into people's either want or willingness to pick that up come ps5 launch um, so we did talk about that a little bit uh, one good thing about the saves not transferring over though it's a separate save uh, and a separate trophy list so if you're looking to platinum that game for the second time or just collect a bunch more trophies that's something that will be cool and fun uh, for you to do uh, as well. Uh, lightning Round. 
we also talked about the possibility in a new rumor and now this comes from a youtuber and again i don't have the details in front of me um, who is more in the uh, gaming tech space not so much in the game development space uh, but does seem to have some sources that indicate that a full ground up remake of metal gear solid is coming out uh, in the near future didn't give an indication of timing but um, it's going to be eventually on PC, but at first it's going to be a PS5 exclusive. Now this is a ground up remake like your Crash Insane Trilogies, Demon Souls, um, Tony Hawk, things where it's not just a remaster with some smoothed over polygons. This is a full ground up remake like Resident Evil 2 or 3 that um, Capcom just put out. Uh, you know, we, we all think this is a good idea. I mean, it's a very old game. No indication whether or not this is a remake of the original PlayStation 1 or Twin Snakes from the GameCube. Uh, I don't think there's much differences, if any, uh, maybe some different dialogue, things like that. Uh, the rumor also suggests that a 2, 3, and 4 will get remaster treatments on PS5, um, though I think our kind of thought on that was is that maybe 1 and 2 at the very least need the full remake treatment given those are ps1 ps2 games 3 was also ps2 games so maybe do those three and then just remaster four uh, and then five um, phantom pain and ground zeros are available via backwards compatibility most likely on the ps5 so that way you could do kind of the yakuza treatment of getting all of the history of those games available on one generation of systems so I think uh, that would be something that hopefully they can go forth and do. Uh, but testing the waters with the first one makes sense. Uh, it also makes sense that it's a PS5 exclusive since it was originally a PS1 exclusive. It's, uh, ultimately, you know, coming to GameCube as well. But I think that that could be pretty cool. Uh, it probably will take a while. I wouldn't assume that it would be a quick turnaround, especially if it's ground up. Uh, we kind of talked about if they get David Hayter or if they get Kiefer Sutherland, the two different voices for Snake. Uh, which one's going to be involved, you know, so um, there's some cool information to kind of hopefully glean more of in the coming uh, months and years. So uh, we'll see what a Metal Gear remake ultimately looks like lightning round. Uh, we also talked about a new patent this week for the uh, PSVR uh, controllers. Now, uh, those of you that know or don't know, use move controllers on the current version of PSVR. Um, these would kind of ditch the move controllers, which thankful, which would be a good thing because while I do enjoy PSVR and I enjoy playing PSVR games, the move are limiting just because there's no joysticks. There's only a handful of buttons. They weren't designed for VR. Uh, they do fine. Like I said, you can play games. They're best with shooters because they can just emulate light guns. So that makes the most sense. Uh, but anything with interactivity, anything where you're trying to pick things up, just kind of leads something to, to be desired. Movement as well is really tough because it's only like a point and click kind of thing. There's no analog sticks to be able to walk. So um, the patent basically makes them look like the, um, the I forget, the, like the Oculus Quest, um, the Rift S, the, uh, the Valve Index controllers where, you know, they've got kind of the, you know, the semicircle around your hand uh, grip, uh, joysticks on each on each paddle I guess uh, buttons on each one to kind of give more interactivity it also looked like it, there may be finger tracking involved which would help uh, and make things you know more accessible uh, in terms of ports from the PC where those controllers are leaps and leaps and bounds ahead of the move 
So we may see uh, more and better ports for a future um, of PlayStation VR. Now, uh, these seem to indicate that these will be used, if at all, and I got to stress, and we stressed this originally, that um, patents don't necessarily mean products, they just mean ideas. So this may never come to light, it may never come to fruition, but um, Sony's committed to PSVR. Uh, they said as much this week that, you know, PSVR and VR in general is still kind of in its infancy in terms of what developers can do, what their ideas are. Uh, but I think the the more investment that you put into this, the more the farther it can go. And so I think Sony is committed to it. Uh, it did look like in the patent that there was a suggestion that if this is in coincides with the PSVR 2, that that headset may be different, which we know, uh, but that the headset may not require a camera the way the current one does, that it would have the sensors in the helmet itself to find the positioning of those controllers, uh, which is how you get that finger tracking technology. So uh, some pretty cool stuff that hopefully will come to pass. But again, right now, just a patent uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a viable product or that it's in production or that it's going to be available. When, if and when a PSVR 2 is announced, there may be a, a half step between the move, maybe a move with a joystick, or they may just say, hey, 2 has these features, this feature, it's wireless, it's it's what have you, it's got the, the sensors and everything. Um, so we'll see what ultimately comes of that. Uh, lightning round, uh, we did talk about Capcom looking into bringing possibly uh, Resident Evil Village, so it's Resident Evil 8 Village, uh, to current gen uh, PS4 and Xbox One, and what that ultimately would look like, and if that's a, a good thing or not. Um, the bleeding over of generations is kind of weird. I mean, it does tend to happen with new generations where there is support on previous gens, but not in the way that we've been seeing. So uh, we kind of had a discussion about whether or not that's a valid enough thing uh, to be able to put that. Like, does bringing something like Village to PS4 and Xbox One sacrifice what you could be doing with Village on, say, a PS5 or an Xbox Series X? And what we ultimately came to decide was that, you know, if it's good and it looks good and it's not and you're not sacrificing what could be done with PlayStation 5 and Series X just to bring it to uh, both generations it's fine and you know the more people that can play it the better because not everybody's going to either want to or be able to upgrade to these next gen systems um, so being able to still play those games will be a great thing for all gamers as long as you're not just making a PS4 game and an Xbox One game and then slapping a fresh coat of paint on it and calling it a PS5 game. Uh, but ultimately, I think these games are made for PS5 and Series X, so that's why there's no guarantee they'll be able to come to those previous-gen systems because they have to see you know, what it would take to be able to, I guess, to port those over. So we'll see. Um, Capcom made no promises on that front. Lastly, we did talk briefly about some movie news in that Sega has confirmed that they are in the process of starting development on a Yakuza movie. And when I say starting development, uh, we used our, you know, our phrasing for when things are in development, quote unquote, as it's an idea on a napkin. Somebody wrote at a meeting, Yakuza movie, question mark, on a napkin. And everyone was like, yeah, Yakuza movie, okay. Um, this is being made uh, by Sega in conjunction with 1212 Entertainment, who's made nothing I think that anybody's heard of. Um, so not necessarily a great pedigree there. 
Um, there was actually an update after we recorded um, where the, uh, the lead of the Yakuza franchise basically said um, they have the ultimate creative control, that they can pull the plug on this seemingly at any time if the quality of the product is not good. Now, um, you know, John's a big Yakuza fan. We've talked about the games with him a lot over the years. Uh, so I asked his thoughts on this. Uh, he did say it was one of those things where it's not a deal breaker yet. It's not one of those, like, don't, don't touch this franchise. Like, please don't, you're not going to get it right. You're not going to do it. Like, no, 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 shut it down now kind of things. Um, he's very much in a, you I got to know more. They have no script writer. They have no director attached. There's no direction for this project yet. It is very much still just an idea on a napkin. Uh, he did talk about the Japanese Yakuza movie, which was not very good. Too many storylines, too many plot threads. None of it kind of gelled or came together in a satisfying way, which uh, we believe was ultimately signed off on by the creator of Yakuza. So... Maybe he's not the best judge of movie quality. But again, this is very much in the absolute first incubation stage. Uh, it is an idea. It is something that's written down. Um, and it's something where discussions have begun. So this is, will be quite a ways out uh, if it ever even sees the light of day. Uh, but as far as uh, our number one Yakuza fan, John is skeptical that one, it'll even come out. Um, but, you know reserving any kind of actual judgment on it until there's literally any kind of information or anybody attached to this product project. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of a brief, very brief rundown uh, of what the episode was to be. Like I said, I've never had to recap one of our own episodes before. Uh, so consider this i guess the reader's digest version i guess trademark i probably can't use that uh, but i don't think they're gonna i don't think anyone from the re reader's digest higher-ups are going to you know sue or do any kind of legal action here um but uh, a condensed truncated version i apologize profusely for not being able to uh, provide this week's episode uh to you guys uh so i thank you for listening if you did do this whole thing um, we'll probably talk about some stuff next week. Like I said, uh, John will be, uh, John will be talking about Hades, I'm sure. So we'll get to hear him gush in person, assuming there's no future technical difficulties, uh, which I hope that there are not because it's caused me a lot of really unneeded stress today. Um, so I, I definitely apologize, uh, but you know, still wanted to bring you some content, still wanted to kind of convey those ideas that we had gone over. Uh, to you so you know where we stand on these issues especially considering you know microsoft buying bethesda and all those studios was such a big news item this week uh, i didn't want to let that go undiscussed even if i had to discuss it with myself i guess so to speak so uh, again uh, i guess that'll do it for this very truncated episode of the broken clock podcast games cast remember that you can find the games cast every monday morning and i put the emphasis on that because even when i lose an episode still there every monday morning at 9 a.m on google play itunes podbean stitcher spotify i think we're even on amazon music now we're everywhere that you can get your podcasts you can get the broken clock podcast games cast uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, so give me words of encouragement that it's okay and that you maybe enjoyed this little 
weird episode, uh, so I don't feel nearly as bad as I do about what took place uh, with regards to the actual episode, because even though it wasn't, you know, it was nobody's fault, really, it's the program crash, I still feel real crappy about it. So uh, send me words of encouragement if you feel like it. That would really make my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day you end up listening to this. Uh, let us know what you think of Microsoft buying ZeniMax, uh, how you think that will change those franchises. Uh, let us know what you think of Amazon's new streaming service. If you're going to try to jump in on Luna, if this is what you were hoping Stadia would be, uh, which is something that we also were hoping when Stadia first kind of got announced, uh, and maybe the pressure of these Games Pass and Luna-style streaming services will push Stadia in that direction to have more of a constant library of games as opposed to the playstation plus uh, model of trickling out a few titles each month maybe having a bigger list is something that stadia can kind of pivot to let us know uh, if you plan on picking up spider-man remastered uh, let us know what you would think of metal gear uh, just the series getting remakes what do you want to see do you want to see top you know top down ground up remakes of everything just the first one just the first three uh, what do you want to see from metal gear remakes going forward uh what excites you about next generation playstation vr what do you want to see them kind of tackle what features do you think they're missing uh and if you saw the patent for these controllers uh does this make you know if you're not a psvr user does this make it more enticing uh as something where it's a leap and bound difference over the move controllers uh do you are you not going to upgrade do you want to see village come to the ps4 and xbox one uh do you think that would sacrifice quality let us know uh, and are you excited about the prospect of a Yakuza movie? Or do you just want to shut that down right now? Let us know, like I said, on Facebook and Twitter, at Broken Clock Pods. Um, as always, as we mentioned before, we have our YouTube channel, which does have some Let's Plays by me. Uh, there's also our Twitch channel, uh, Broken Clock Podcasts, uh, twitch.tv slash Broken Clock Podcasts. Uh, you can hear John and I playing in the Call of Duty Alpha last week. Uh, so we kind of give our thoughts on that while playing through it. Uh, hope to be doing more of this. You know, it's still kind of the incubation period of us doing streaming and game recording and things like that. So um, definitely kind of getting on the ground floor of us participating in that. So you can find it, like I said, on YouTube and twitch.tv slash Broken Clock Podcast. But once again, for the Broken Clock Podcast Gamescast, my name is Adam. And thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Oh, wash your hands. Wear a mask.